Father, we just thank you, Father, for this evening that you blessed us with. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. But for your grace, we will not be saved. But for your grace, we would go astray. Thank you, Father, for all your goodness and your mercy in our lives. Lord, even as now we meditate upon your words, speak to our hearts. Anoint us, cleanse us, wash us by the water of the word, sanctify us a little more today so that we can be honorable vessels, vessels of honor in your house. Grant us hearing ears and willing hearts to obey O Lord. Let there be a delight for your word in your sanctuary this evening. Bless us this evening. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, we also have a small announcement. Next Wednesday, we will not have the midweek service because we have uh, the VBS at GSS. Okay, so next Wednesday, we don't have a midweek service. All right, so just to please be reminded of that. All right, let's uh, look to the word now. Uh, if you read through the Gospels uh, accounts, um, we were, we're going through this period of what we call as Lent. The church observes a 40-day 40 40 day period of Lent and remembering the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's a good tradition to follow, especially uh, more than Christmas. I think this time is good for preparation, preparing your heart. Um, if you look at the Gospel accounts, there is a set of chapters, especially in the Gospel according to Luke, which are dedicated to the passion of Jesus, in a sense that uh, from that time onwards, uh, there are several parables and several teachings in the Gospel according to Luke, especially, which are unique. Some of them, some of the parables, you don't find in any other Gospel, in the Synoptic Gospels, which are unique to the Gospel according to Luke. And uh, those chapters are from Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 51, to Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 44. These are the chapters which are completely dedicated to uh, Jesus' journey uh, from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem via Samaria. So I'm going to read a portion from that particular passage to see the heart of Jesus. And that is where he's... His face is like a flint towards Jerusalem. Okay, so let's read those uh, those uh, those verses, uh, a set of verses, not all the, all the ten chapters, of course, but a set of verses, and we will uh, look at what God has to teach us this evening. Luke's Gospel, chapter nine, verse fifty-one onwards. Now it came to pass <clears throat> when the time had come for him to be received. I'm going to read this portion, and then we will meditate upon it. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of Samaritans, of the Samaritans, to prepare for him. So, this is a map you can see. This is uh, where Galilee is. Jesus is starting from Galilee and he is going through Samaria and he's going to reach Jerusalem. That is, that is the map. Roughly about, uh, 70, 80 miles and it's a very treacherous journey. Very, uh, not safe, but he's going through that, trying to reach Jerusalem, and that is when this, these parables and all these teachings are, are spoken, uh, from the mouth of Jesus. Okay, this is the setting, alright? So let's move on. But they did not receive him. This is the Samaritans. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, 
Do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Of course, there's, there's a precedence for this, of course, when Ahaziah sends, uh, and he's not healed, and he calls for Belzebub, the god of Ekron, for healing. And then Elijah sends a word saying that, as if there are no gods in Israel, did you have to inquire of another god? You're going to die. And then he sends his entourage, boom. First entourage consumed by fire, second entourage consumed by fire, and the third entourage said, please, 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 please have mercy upon us. No, that is the precedence that they have, James and John. And Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Verse 35, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, that is, even as they were traveling, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And that is how Luke's gospel chapter 10 ends. And then after, of course, after in, I'm sorry, chapter 9 ends and chapter 10 starts with the commissioning of the 70 disciples. We're not going to look at that. We'll just meditate upon this portion and learn a few lessons. Let's look back, uh, go back to chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass, when the time had come, for him to be received up. It's very interesting that the Holy Spirit, when it is, when it is recording the, the events which are going to culminate in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is not saying when Jesus is going to be delivered up to death. It's saying, when the time had come for him to be received up. That's very interesting, very significant. Very, very significant. And, and, and I want us to look at certain portions from the Bible to see what this means. You need to understand, how do you look at this world? This is temporary. Which is temporary? Which is permanent? Okay. Let me look at a certain certain passages from scripture to see, to, to try and understand what this received up means. Mark's gospel chapter 16 verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was, now tell me, what is he talking about? He's not talking about his death. He's talking about the, the resurrection of Jesus. Received up. So that is what the Holy Spirit is looking at. He's not looking at the sufferings that we will, that we will have to face in this present world. He's looking at the glory that is going to pass, that is going to come after the sufferings. You see, that is a perspective that we need to have. Another passage, Acts chapter 1 verses 1 to 2. In my former book, Theophilus, this is again Luke's gospel chapter 2, I mean chapter part 2 if you will. 
I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day he was, again the same word, received up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. So the question that we need to ask is, what is our focus? Do we look at this life as a full stop or a beginning of the life that is to come? You see, I mean, I mean, this is so significant for me because I was just coming back from Vaisag where my f- grandfather is almost in his last stages of his life. And some of my family members have no hope. How am I going to survive without my grandfather? So many people are saying, crying, weeping, without hope. I mean, that is tragic actually. Very tragic. See, that is the reason why, you know, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, of all the men we are most to be pitied. You see? 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 6, look at Paul's perspective for this. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. Boy, what a confidence this man has got. It's departure. You see, uh, remember the uh, time of uh, when uh, Jesus goes to the Mount of Transfiguration, remember? In the Gospel according to Luke it says, Elijah and Moses met him and they were talking about his what? About his departure. The word departure is exodus from this world. Not about his death, about his departure, about his resurrection. Another apostle, Second Peter chapter 1 verses 13 to 15. I like this a lot. Yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent. Just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. When, where did he show me? In John's Gospel chapter 21, he told him what kind of a death he is going to uh, go through to glorify God. And then moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. But I am just putting away my tent. Look at how beautifully Paul talks about this in First Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at what he says. But I do not want you to be ignorant brethren. I mean, I just took away the comma from here, uh, deliberately, because uh, the Greek has no commas, okay, they're all implied. I don't want you to be ignorant brethren, because there are so many ignorant brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have what? No hope. For if we believe, look at that, three reasons he gives us as to why we should not mourn as though... We are people of no hope. Why? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. The question is, are we confident that we are in Christ? Are we in Jesus? That is the assurance that we all need to have. And the second reason he gives again, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then he says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall 
always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, if we don't have these words, there is no comfort. There can never be authentic comfort unless we have assurance that we are going to meet him on the other side. That is the reason why even though David is mourning for his son, after he mourns and he gets up, you know what he says? Why have you stopped mourning? He says, you know what? He's not going to come back, but I have the assurance that I will be with him. See? Question is, do we have hope? So what is hope? What is the definition of hope? Biblical definition of hope. And there's a beautiful verse in Romans chapter 8. We looked at it in several contexts. Let us look at it once more. Romans chapter 8 verses 22 onwards. For we know, we are not ignorant, that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. That means this world is subject to decay. See, absolutely, it's, it's, it is bound to happen. People are going to grow old and die. That's a parable. Telling us, you know what? It doesn't matter how much you're, you're going to take care of this body, you will die. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, that means we are not exempt, just because we are Christians. We also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our bodies. While we do not look at the, the redemption of our body, and then he says, the hope that is seen is not Hope. For who hopes for what, for that which he can see. But if we hope for the things that we do not see, we wait for it with patience. You see, if we have hope only in this world, you know, I was talking to my, my mama the other day, just a few days back, couple of days back for breakfast, sitting at this table and he was looking at me and he said, so Vijay, what do you do? How is your school going on? That's what he thinks that I'm now a school teacher. Uh, I said, yeah, it's going great and stuff. And then he looks at me. So Vijay, uh, um, what about uh, buying a new home? Have you bought yourself a home? I said, oh, no. I'll tell you why. Because all my cousins who are younger than me, everybody, everybody who owns a lavish, lavish home, is looking at me and nonchalant. No, and he's looking at me and he's thinking, how come this this guy is so cool about it? And they're scared to even mention the ministry because they don't want to hear anything about that. Okay, They don't want to even talk about it. This is very, very, very deliberately they avoid the topic. I don't even have to bring it up. They'll avoid it. You see, because for, for them, this is hope. This life is hope. See, Hope so for us, hope that is seen as not hope. For who hopes for that which he can see? And if we hope for that which we do not see, then we wait for it with patience or perseverance. That is hope. Look at this. Look at the connections. I'm going to look at this very famous verse that we look at in our, look at our, in our church over and over again. This is found in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 onwards. 
onwards, because I'm going to go to chapter 5. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are seen are eternal, and then chapter 5 verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we have a building from God. You see what assurance this guy has got. We have a building from God. That is the reason why I don't need a home. We need what? Tents. As long as you are living in a rented apartment, it is a tent. And also as long as you are paying EMIs, it is also a tent. Because one day you lose your job, you will stop paying EMIs and you will be kicked out of the home. See? You are living in a tent. You need to understand this. For we know this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in heavens. For in this we groan. You see that? We want that. Earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Everything will be naked unless you have a covering. Covering which is the righteousness of Jesus alone. See? Then it goes on to say, Therefore, verse 9, Therefore we make it what? Our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. That is the reason why it says, without faith it is what? Impossible. So it is our ambition to walk by faith. Seeing that is which is unseen. Having a focus on the things which are unseen. If we have been raised with Christ Jesus, set your hearts and set your minds. Both which are things, which are on the things which are about Colossians chapter 3. We know that verse very well. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. Now question therefore, the first question Jesus is teaching us when he is talking about being received up, where is my hope? Is this this life? So I don't, I don't even want to talk about that. Death is just one phase. It's going to happen to us anytime. So let's move on. Next one. Let's come back to Luke's Gospel chapter 9. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be what? Received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Because his hope is there and he has absolute surety there. He is absolutely steadfast. Title of today's message is Face like a flint question mark. Face like a flint question mark. Steadfast. Nowadays I'm just interested in the meaning of words. And I just looked up what does it mean to be steadfast according to the Bible. And I just looked up a, 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 a dictionary. What does it mean to be steadfast? Six meanings, six renderings. First, to make stable. Another rendering, place firmly. Third, to be fixed. Fourth, to be strengthened. Fifth, to render constant. Sixth, to confirm one's mind. Stable. 
You know, I come from a control engineering background. We used to make controllers to make systems stable. So we had two philosophies. Okay. The controller should be robust to uncertainties. You know, so many uncertainties in life. So the controller which controls the system should be robust to uncertainties. How good the controller is, it depends upon how well you model your uncertainty. (laughs) How can you model your uncertainty? (laughs) And then he says, third one, a precise model of uncertainty is an oxymoron. How can you precisely model uncertainty? If you know precisely what uncertainty is, it is no longer uncertain. So, question is, everybody, everybody is looking for what in life? Stability. What does stability mean? Stability means doesn't matter what happens in this market, we will always be evergreen. So in engineering, there are several courses. Mechanical engineering is called evergreen. Or some civil engineering. Depends which engineering department you come from. Everybody has their own focus. Okay, civil engineering, because everybody, they'll always be continuing to make buildings, and buildings will be broken down again, and then so you need engineers, civil engineers. So it is evergreen, so it is stable, it is robust to uncertainties in the market. That is the reason why we call it blue chip companies. Have you heard the word blue chip? for, For those of you who do not know what blue chip means, it's a poker term, I just got the definition from, from Wikipedia. A blue chip is stock in a corporation with a national reputation for quality, reliability, and the ability to operate profitably in good times and bad times. That is stability. You know what, what Jesus is saying? He's steadfast in his purpose. It doesn't matter if he's facing good times or if he's facing bad times. It is not going to deter him from his purpose. Why? You know why? Because he's going to be received up and not die. Think about it. Just before his death, from the garment, from before he's going to go to uh, being delivered, what is he doing with his disciples? They are, they are doing something. First he prays and then sings a hymn. Ah, sings a hymn. What hymn is he singing? That's a question. Scholars say. He's singing, he sang three hymns. Psalm 116, Psalm 117, Psalm 118. And what does Psalm 118? We know the very famous verse from Psalm 118. You should quote it by memory now. I should, I will not, I will not die but live and declare the, that is what he's singing before he's going. Psalm 118. I will not die but live and declare the works of God. That is the reason why Acts chapter 2 verse 24 will say, it is impossible for death to lay hold of him. He had that absolute focus, face like a flint, because his faith, his hope was not in this world, his hope was in the world that he is going to be received up into. Stability. Reliability. You know why? It is there. Hope is there. Question is, are we stable people? Are we reliable people? Are we people who are constant? Are you predictable? Isaiah chapter 15. Look at what he says. 
That is from where we get this verse. It's placed like a flint. Isaiah chapter 15. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Why? For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I will not be ashamed. I will not be ashamed. He's not looking at the death on the cross. He's going to look at the resurrection from the dead. That is what he's looking at. He is near who justifies me, who will contend with me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. What confidence? What confidence? See, people are forever justifying themselves. Forever! Psalm 50, surely, verse 9, surely the Lord will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? He was numbered with the transgressors, transgressors, right? Everybody looked at them and they said, this guy could be a criminal. After all, they cannot be dash without fire. What without fire? Smoke without fire. Something this this guy might have done. Otherwise, why would he die like this? Oh, no, 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 no. Immediately did they, did they hear a voice from heaven. No, 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 no. He was a righteous man. He was a good man. No justification. He said, Lord, to you I commit myself. I will not vindicate myself. My vindication comes from you. For all those who, you know, in your office, people call you bad names and slander you. Just go to Psalm 9. Psalm 7, sorry. Psalm 7, we know that very famous verse in Psalm 7. God is angry with the wicked every day, right? But actually look at the way the psalm starts. It's called the psalm of a slandered saint. People are calling all kinds of names to you, but he will not open his mouth. He will only say, Lord, my vindication comes from you. Surely the Lord will help me. Who among you fears the Lord? He's telling all of us. Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness as a no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and the Lord, uh, in, the, in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. My trust is in him. So what is the, is the, is the exhortation for all of us? What is the exhortation for all of us? It doesn't, if your focus is not on this life, Lord, my focus is not on prosperity here. My focus is not on, on success over here. My focus is not that people will call me Sabash, Sabash, Sabash over here. You see? It's because people will call you all kinds of things. You know what, what Jesus is teaching us? It doesn't matter whether people appreciate you or don't appreciate you. If your focus is there, and if your trust is there, you know what you'll do? You'll be steadfast like me. So that's the reason why First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. You know what, it's, what it says? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be what? Steadfast, immovable. Immovable. Be steadfast, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in, not, in the Lord is not in vain. Always. So, you will ask this question, Lord. Yes, Vijay, I have this desire in me to be absolutely steadfast and absolutely unmovable. What should I do? Right? How many of you want to be steadfast and unmovable? What should you, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? What is, what is, what is the takshana kartavyam? What should I do so that I will not be moved when with circumstances? How will I be, how will I be uh, be stayed focused on that straight and narrow path? You know this very verse, Colossians chapter 1 verses 23 to 24, the answer from God. If indeed you continue in faith, 
grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you hear. You know what you need to do? Every day, stay in the word and stay on your knees. Stay in the word, stay on your knees. Speak to yourself the gospel every day of your life. Stay in the word, stay on your knees. I was just looking up. By the way, uh, April 13th is going to be Nabil Qureshi's birthday. Okay, this 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 week is a very famous week, and his wife put up a very interesting uh, video on the internet. And one of the exhortations that he received a few years back from his, one of his mentors, you know what he said, Nabil. You stay in the word every day of your life. Stay on your knees. You will not be moved no matter what circumstances you face in your life. You will finish and accomplish what God has called you to be. Stay in the word. Stay focused. Stay in the word. Hear the gospel. Continuously bombard yourself with the gospel. Lord, open my heart. Every opportunity that God has given me. That is the reason why. Even as you see the day approaching, what should you do? Gather together. More and more and more and more and more. Speak to yourself the gospel of Jesus Christ. And look at how it, how it ends. Which was preached ev- to every creature under heaven of which Paul became a minister. And look at what he says. I now rejo- rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my fl- in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. You know what Paul is saying? I want you you to be absolutely steadfast. I want you to be unmovable. I want to preach the gospel to you. And in order for the gospel to reach you, it doesn't matter how many sufferings I have to go through. My hope is on the other side. I will not stop myself from coming. I'm going to fill in my body the afflictions of Jesus Christ. What does it mean? There's this village in India where this traveling evangelist went to preach the gospel. Very old man. I forget his name. So he was going to this village, walked several hundred miles, reached that village, and everyone in that village refused to listen to the gospel. And he said, Lord, traveled so many kilometers and was so tired, so worn out. And he goes there under the tree, there's a huge banyan tree there, and he goes there under the tree and he falls asleep. Sound asleep. Completely exhausted. His shoes are torn, everything is, do- is gone. He's completely exhausted and he and he's falls asleep. Suddenly, in the, in the middle of the night, he hears voices. Don't think it's gram stains, okay? Okay, this is. <laughs> so he hears voices, no? So he gets up and then the entire village is over there and then there's Huge tall guy in the village who comes forward. They have their torches and they come forward to this guy. And this guy is thinking, Baba, Mera, Kam, Ho Gya. And then he comes to him and he says, he looks at his feet. He says, your feet are bleeding. What message do you want to give us that you have to drag your feet with bleeding feet? And come to us. What kind of a message you want to share with us? He looks at this, his suffering and asks the message. And when he opens the gospel, right from the beginning of this tall guy and the entire almost like almost like 50% of the village, they get saved. 
by looking at the afflictions of this guy who is not you know, willing to go back and turn back from the purposes that God has laid in his life. You see, there's nothing, my goodness, I'm telling you, don't be ashamed of the gospel, no. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed. If you have to go to your workplaces, it doesn't matter what kind of people you're working with, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to share the word. Sometimes, you know what? People from the Catholic side will put you to shame. They are not ashamed. Sometimes they just come and they lay their hands and pray. They just pray. They are not ashamed. Jesus bless you. He will come and openly say, doesn't matter, a bunch of Hindus, this fellow will come and put, lay his hands and bless and go. I am telling you the experiences that I had just a few days back. There was a, all my relatives mourning and then this father from the neighboring church, father, okay. I looked at him and said, who is this guy? He has a cross in his hand. And he came, I was just about to leave from my side. He came, put his hands on my grandmother and started praying for her. Put his hands on my aunt, started praying for her and he left. And I said, Lord, I am their own and I am ashamed. And immediately after that, I went on my knees, prayed for my grandmother and for the first time in my life, she hugged me and she cried. First time in her life. In 80 years of her life, I don't think she has hugged any of her grandchildren. First time in my life, she hugged me and she cried. Don't be ashamed. So, I mean, I was afraid of ridicule. What will these people think? Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Be stable. Be steadfast. James chapter 1. Talks about the unstable brother. If anyone, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways. Absolutely unstable in all his ways. The question is, how stable and steadfast and reliable am I? Why? What gives me stability in life? What gives me stability? I'll be absolutely unmovable in my in my work for the Lord. What gives me stability? How many of you drove a Wagonar? Wagonar drivers? You can put your hands. Right. What is the difference between a wagon R and an I-10? Huh? Seating position, which is more stable, wagon R or I-10? I-10 is more stable? I-10 grand is more stable? Why? Shorter. You know, they interviewed Sachin Tendulkar. Okay. They asked him, what is your favorite car? Said BMW. They asked him, why? There's so many luxury cars, why BMW? He said, BMWs are like me. What do you mean? They are short and have a very low center of gravity. And they will never stumble. They are stable. You know, what Sachin Tendulkar is in his career, he is also in his character. 
you ask any cricketer, wannabe cricketer or the person who has played with Sachin Tendulkar, youngster, you know what he will say? They will say, you know what? How come this guy, after all that he has achieved, he can stay so humble and never let success get into his head? You know why? Because he's got a very low center of gravity. Very low. That gives him stability. That's exactly how I want to read James chapter 4. Okay? But he gives more grace. This is, mind you, this is with double-minded and instability, right? Okay? God opposes the proud but gives grace to the those people who have low center of gravity. Humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you because that fellow is... He forever wants to make you unstable. He's also proud. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your minds, you double-minded. And who's a double-minded fellow? He's unstable in all his ways. Why is there instability in his life? Because he's not humble. Be wretched. Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into gloom. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of the Lord and he will exalt you. That is the reason why unless you are converted and become like little children. You know why Jesus was was absolutely stable in his life? Because he had the least center of Gravity. And he said, if I be lifted up also, I will still have least center of gravity. See? Humble and meek. You know, that is the reason why you say, you know what? You should have, you should be grounded, right? That's what you should be. These guys, they say, you know, these, these guys have grounded. That means the roots are firm. Why? They're humble. You know, of all the entrepreneurs I like, the best entrepreneur in my entire life, in the in the in the in India especially, one guy with incredible ethics is the founder of Infosys. Anybody knows him? Narayan Murthy. Narayan Murthy. You know what his motto was? Motto was keep life simple. Keep life, and that was his motto, and that is that is what he inculcated in his office and his company from literally from rags to riches. Slow process, always grounded. Keep life simple. He never, never used to live at the mo- the exalted lifestyle. Think about it. Now think about it. W- which is the most successful low-cost airliner in India? Anybody? I know the answer. Indigo. And not Kingfisher. Because that fellow, even after he is bankrupt, he is still king. Okay. Proud guy. You know why? The one thing about the Indigo CEO, you know what car he drives? A wagon R. Not even with automatic windows, with rolling windows. Think about it. Grounded. My recently my cousin graduated from IAM Calcutta. And for his valedictory function, you know who was the who was the speaker? Narayan Murthy. 
And you know what the, the guy who was introducing him was saying? Naran Murthy, when he was in I am Ahmedabad, it was a top institute for management in India. No more. You know why? He left. Naran Murthy resigned from Infosys and another guy took over. His name is Mr. Sikka. Sikka. Actually, Vishal Sikka. And he made a mess of the company. And he was kicked out and brought, they brought back again Naran Murthy. You know what he said? He looked at him and said, Sikka means money. Vishal Sikka means lot of money. And I never thought you would cost us so much. See? Humble people. Low people. That is the reason why they are stable. You see, you keep life simple. It doesn't matter how many uncertainties in the market. Maximum your bindi will go from 10 rupees pow kilo, from 5, 5 rupees pow kilo to 10 rupees pow kilo. Maximum your dondakai will go from 10 rupees pow kilo to 15 rupees pow kilo. Maximum. But every day you want to eat mutton, that will never go down. It is going to only go up. Keep life simple. When you keep life simple, make it absolutely content with whatever God has given you, you will have stability in life. And you will be focused on your goal. You know, I remember one man of God. His mother, before dying, she gave him three, three suggestions. She said, you know what? Son, whenever people invite you, don't ask how many people are coming. Don't ask how much you are giving. If your calendar is free, just give them the dates. Second thing he says, you are a man of God. Every time somebody will call you to their home, and when you when they call you to their home and they put you before the table, when your stomach is still empty, stop eating. Don't keep on eating. Stop eating. You know why? If you don't have an empty stomach, you will not have burden for souls. You will not have burden for souls. Souls will not have burden on a full stomach. No burden, Baba. That is the reason why we recommend what? Fasting. Because we will have a genuine burden for souls. Keep life simple. Be grounded. Be grounded. Humble yourself. Have a low center of gravity. It doesn't matter how many external forces will come. You will never topple. That is the reason why tall people have a big, big, major problem, Baba. Their center of gravity is here. No, that is the reason why they walk away like this. <laughs> because they have to keep on balancing their center of gravity. No? That was the problem with Saul. <laughs> Head one. <laughs> okay. Humble yourself. Have a low CG. Then you will be focused. Now the point therefore is, what drives you away from the focus? Now you have Jesus who is absolutely focused and you have three kinds of disciples. Disciples who finished the race and actually two. Disciples who never started the race. And disciples who actually ended before they started. Three kinds of disciples. And what will be those things in your life which will take you away from the focus? Is my question. I want to ask myself. Luke's Gospel chapter 9. Let's go back to that passage. But they did not receive him. Okay. If people don't receive you, don't worry. Hmm? Because his face was set for journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples James and John 
Notice, James and John saw this. They said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? He just said, they didn't say, Lord, command fire. What did he say? Lord, command us. Allow us. We want to get the limelight a little, please. Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them, and they went to another village. People don't accept your message, go to another person, simple. See, that is that is the reason why in marketing, the guy who is marketing has to have a lot of humility. Okay? If he is, takes things too personally, he will stop the next day. Next fellow. Next fellow. It's just literally wipe everything from your face. She and I spit. Go to the next fellow. See, this is what this is the attitude. You see, humble people have no problem with when people don't reject receive them. Even could not do. I'm God, boss. God came to your home, and you did not receive me. Now, this is very interesting, no? What is the spirit of John? What kind of a spirit did they have? Now, just look at this passage, okay? To understand the spirit of James and John, we need to understand uh, the passage a little more. So let us go uh, one verse ahead in verse 49 and 50 of Luke's Gospel, chapter 9. Now, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we forbade him. Okay? Because he does not follow us. Jesus said, do not forbid him, for he is he who is not against us is with us. This is, Jesus is saying, what are, you, "What are you talking about, John? Just because they are not coming to your church and to your fellowship, that doesn't mean they're not holy. Don't have this exclusive mentality." Okay, this is what we call a snob, S N O B. Okay, that's what Sister Elsa thought, thought about me and Justin several years back. Who are these fellows? I mean, I didn't, I don't blame her. Maybe we are snobbish. <laughs> Definitely. We were used to walk with our head held high. Don't walk with your head held high, okay? Don't have this idiotic, snobbish attitude which will just pull people away. You know, I was reading Nabil Quraysh's, uh, I, I write, every time I get read Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, I just get excited. You should read it, okay? Beautiful read. You know, when he when he passed away, one of the things that you know Rabbi Zak was talking about, he said, wherever Nabil went, he built bridges. He had that attitude, building bridges with people. I mean, I, honestly, you know, in in our church, I only know about one person. I'm not exalting anybody. It's only sister Elsa. I have seen all kinds of people she can move along with. Any everybody, I have a tough time with some people. I said, Lord, how come? You know what? This is the attitude, you know, where you don't, you're not having big opinions about yourself. You have the ability to bridge gaps and talk to anybody and relate with them. Relate with them. And these people thought they are the, they are the best. What is this? 
This is what we call as a spirit of competition. If I am the best, others can be good, but not better than me. Okay? You, should, you can be good, but not better than? If you are one little better than me, then I'm a, I have a problem, major problem with you. So look at this, this attitude is there again in Numbers chapter 11. Okay, look, look at what it says. And you, look, we're contrasting uh, Joshua and, and Moses. Numbers chapter 11. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him and he took some of the power of the spirit that was upon him and put it on 70 elders. Then what happened? When the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But did not do so again. The first and the last time poor fellows prophesied. Okay. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders but did not go to the tent. Yet the spirit of the Lord also rested. Meaning, there were so many, there were 70 elders who were called. Two fellows, they said, you know what, we are not those such great people. Let us just stay away from the tent and be here. So what happened? 68 fellows were near, close to the tent. The spirit of the Lord fell upon them and, and God said 70 people, right? Where are these two fellows? Oh, they said, okay, we are not, we don't deserve close, be, be close to the, to be close to the tent. Let the spirit fall on them also. The spirit fell on them also. And they were all prophesying. And Joshua is looking, how come this one is not prophesying? Look at what he says. They were listed, they were listed among the elders, but did not go close to the tent. Yet the spirit rested upon them and they prophesied in the camp. Where? Not close to the tent, but in the camp. Not along with Moses and all the other elders, but outside somewhere else. And a young man, that is Joshua, ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, the son of Nun, who had been with Moses, uh, eight since youth spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for whose sake? For my sake, don't have to be jealous for my sake. I am nothing. I am a man with low COG. Very, very low COG. He is called the meekest man on earth. I mean, he's so meek, God said, please write it down, okay? I am meek. Can you say like that? Write, write down, you know? I am humble. Please write it down, you are humble. Yes, Lord, I am humble. It's like, you know, Pastor James, can you just preach a message on humility? Thank you, Jesus. I'm a humble man. You see, automatic, can you, can you imagine, can anybody remain humble when somebody calls you, you're such a humble fellow? That is the level of humility that this guy had. He is called meekest. It's actually meek meek. Double superlative. Meeker than the meek. Moses was so meek. And he said, I wish that all the Lord's people prophesied. Boy, no competition. I will not be insecure. If somebody is better than me. Cost of ambition. Negative ambition. Late nights, early mornings. Lots of associates, very few friends. Who is he? He's my associate. Not my friend. Goes on. You will be single 
unless you find someone who understands your lifestyle. People will want you to do good, but never better than them. That is the cost of ambition. Stop them. You see, this ambition is tremendous. You know, it can be in ministry or it can be anywhere in, your, in an office where you have the, you're all, this because you're living in that environment, competition, competition, competition. The best way to eliminate competition is to kill the other fellow. That's what people do. Or if you cannot do, that's what Indian, India do. Should never be better than me. Boy, God save us from that attitude. That is what James and John. When when people call you sons of thunder, don't get so elated. Oh, sons of thunder. (laughs) No, 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 no. There are sons of thunder and a big blunder. From sons of thunder to blunder, they had to become sons of wonder. That only happens after resurrection. When they have become humble in the presence of the Lord. Selfish ambition. Mark's, Mark's Gospel chapter 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher. This is the attitude, same. For still, before anybody could ask. You know, in India, if you want to put a, get into a crowded bus, there is what we call a big line. They will take that handkerchief. Dasti Eshishna. Mera seat. You see, what will happen? Everybody is fighting in the line and slowly then that fellow will go, uh, I mean, last seat available already, one fellow will put Dusty. And then will, that fellow will come and fight. Dusty, You cannot even argue with him now. Especially, I mean, honestly, if you go to rural places, if you argue from their mouth, will come Sanskrit. Because they have put Dusty over there. So these two fellows, they had a discussion. Before anybody can ask, we know the master is such a nice man, great man. If we ask him, he will definitely give, we have to get this idea. Okay, let us put out Dusty. So first they sent recommendation to Mama. And also, they went Swayam. They said, Lord, one on the right, one on the left. Dusty Heshna. Competition. Boy, I mean, I look at all this, I just judge my heart, no? I just judge my own heart. Do I have this lot in me? That's the attitude. What do you want me? It's like this, no? Um, Dad, I'm going to tell you something. Promise me that you'll not hit me. Or my wife will come and say, Honey, I have to tell you something. But I don't know how you'll respond. Promise me that you'll not respond. Are, how can I promise you, Baba? I mean, this is exactly what is going on. Promise me that you will give me. What do you want me to do for you? They replied, let one of us sit to the left, one of, one of us to the right in your glory. You do not know what spirit you are of. And because of the spirit that you have, you do not know what you are. Asking. Can you drink the cup? 
or be baptized. Thank God those disciples were teachable and God could break them. It's amazing, right? James and John, the first apostle to get martyred, James, the last apostle to get killed, John. Kya baat hai? Between them, everybody else got martyred. Talking about apostles. James was the first apostle, last apostle, John. And between them is the story of Christianity. From sons of wonder, sorry, thunder, blunder to wonder. And they became, and John was the apostle of love. This guy who said fire. You know what he said one day, one young fellow, it's not in the 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 Bible, but it's uh, it's a uh, it's church history. Okay, one fellow who was a young guy whom he was mentoring. After he was meant, he was meant he mentored him for for a for a while, and then he was called for a preaching ministry to some other some other place. So he takes this young guy, goes to the local bishop, and says, "I am handing this fellow over to you. Please watch over his soul until I come back." After a few months, he returns. And then he goes to the bishop and he says, where is that young man? The bishop says he's dead. He gets a shock. What do you mean he's dead? No, no, no. He's not dead that way. You know what? That fellow backslid and now he has become a bandit. And he's a killer. He's ahead of all the bandits. John says, what? Really? Okay, where is that guy? Get me a horse. The bishop says, what do you want to do? You want to run after that fellow? They will catch you. If they catch you, they will kill you. What will happen to me? He Gets onto the horse, gets into the gets into the forest, and he gets himself captured by the band. And then you know what? His friends catch him and they bring him to this young fellow who has become the head of the man. The moment he looks at John, he looks into his eyes and he runs for his life. You know what John says? My son, my son, why do you want to run away from an old father like me? Did he not write? Fathers, I write to you. Because you have known him from the beginning. Wonder, thunder, one blunder to wonder. That is John. That is how he became. A man who was absolutely loving without any ambition. James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. Can you imagine that wisdom actually comes from humility? Worldly wisdom is not like that. Amazing! How antithetical to the world is the, the Bible is. That humility, wisdom comes from being humble. Humble men are wise people. But if you harbor bitter envy and what? Selfish ambition in your hearts. Do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, quote unquote, does not come from, come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual and demonic. Because demons are proud. Lucifer was proud. He wanted to be the numero uno. For when you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. That is exactly what happened to to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 7 to 8. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, David his ten thousands, finished, this fellow is gone. I mean in in research terms, young fellow got ten papers, you got how many? Two. What a shame. And Saul was very wroth 
And the saying displeased him and he said, they have ascribed David ten thousands to me. They have ascribed thousands. And what can have, what can he have more than the kingdom? Ambition to sit to the, to stick to the throne no matter what. And after that, Saul eyed David. You see? Another man, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi! He who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Everybody is going to his ministry. John answered, a man can receive nothing unless it is given by his father from heaven. You should, you should always speak to yourself. Lord, I should receive nothing unless you have given it. Just let it come through your hands. See, envy, ambition. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 19. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, you see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. What are you accomplishing? And that is the reason why, you know, the, the Pilate understood, right? It is because of ambition or envy they handed Jesus over to him. That is the first thing. Ambition. Don't have selfish ambition. Lord, doesn't matter where you place me, I will be content in whatever position that you have given me in the church. I will be content. I will be content. I will serve you with all my gifts. And I will not be envious of another brother or a sister who is more gifted than me. Actually, you know what? Pray for people who are more gifted than you. You see, more you are gifted the greater the chance for you to have greater center of gravity and to fall. Less you are gifted, the safer you are. Really, honestly, you know, think about it. No, think about it. Think about it. You are very smart, very intelligent, extremely bright, brilliant, successful. But do you think you will receive the gospel? How much it has to take for a man to receive the gospel? I mean, I look at it in my own family. You know, it's easy for me to fellowship with people who are not very intelligent, not very bright. They're all cool. They're not so well-read and they will not show off their gyan. They're all... It's easy to fellowship with them. But some people, they know know everything. For whatever you say, they will have 25 answers. For that that kind of people, you can't even talk. The auto of breaking. That is the reason why it is very difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, you can be rich in a lot of things, not just in money. See, if you are rich in your talent, think about it. Is it easy for Federer to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior? All the days of my life have striven for the maximum number of grand slams. It's all waste. Will he say that? All that I've accomplished in the world, I count it as rubbish? Really? Oh, including Rafael Nadal. I didn't mention him, sorry. Yeah, he meant, he meant him. Yes. But he's actually more humble than Federer. <laughs> you see. Really? It's easy. Is it easy for them to say that? Can you imagine the kind of breaking that they have to go through in order for them to accept the gospel? Okay. Ambition. Be careful about that. It's dangerous. There's a cost for ambition. Cost for ambition. Okay. Let's go on to the next, next, next attitude. Another disciple. 
Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Okay. You know, Jesus, for, uh, for John and James, they could be trained and they could be taught and they could be made stable eventually. But there are certain, certain people, God, Jesus already knows their heart. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, you can find this verse in in Gospel according to Matthew also, where a scribe comes to him and he says, Lord, I want to follow you wherever you go. He says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, and for the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Okay. Can Can we read that? How sustainable is this? By the way, that was a quote from my cousin, who just graduated from I am Calcutta. In the car, he was asking me, Vijay, what is your LinkedIn profile? LinkedIn. You know LinkedIn, right? I mean, if you know LinkedIn. And then he looked at me, ah, no, 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 now it is waste. I know you are not active in LinkedIn anymore. Long time since I have a LinkedIn. No, but it's interesting. LinkedIn shows me that I'm an assistant pastor of Grace Tabernacle Church, by the way. By the way. That has also been updated hmm, without my consent. Not associate, but... Ah, thank you, assistant. I like that. <laughs> then he said, okay, okay, that's, okay, fine. And he looked at me and he said, well, Vijay, what do you do? I said, I, I mean, you did this and you're doing this. You're a, I know you're a pastor, but how sustainable is this? That's his dialogue. How sustainable? Just graduated from I am Calcutta. No, he's thinking like an investor. How sustainable? Do you make your balance sheet ho jata gaya? How sustainable? You know, I asked myself this question. Are you looking for sustainability? Or adaptability? That's, that's exactly what Jesus is looking for. Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. But a son of man has no place to lay his head. Meaning, can you live with me wherever I am going? Or do you have conditions? Five star accommodation? Five star food? Or can you eat anything? The spiciest to the least spicy. And nothing will harm you. You see how much discipline it requires? Are you looking for sustainability or adaptability? That is the reason why I like Apostle Paul's fantastic statement. Look at what he says in Philippians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13. (coughs) I'm not saying this because I am in need, because somebody gave him an offering. And he says, thank you for giving me the offering. I'll be very careful these days about offerings. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever circumstances. Absolutely adaptable. You see, that is what discipleship teaches you. Adaptability to any circumstance. I mean, Pastor James was talking to the pastors on the pastor's conference. You know what he says? He was telling them, every day in the afternoon, I sleep on the floor without a mat. So that I can beat my body into subjection and I don't want to get into any kind of a comfort zone. Sukhala ki alwatuk akodadu. Sukham. 
you get used to sukham, big problem. Sukhavari says, I know what it is to be in need. Do you know what it is to be in need? Do you know? What is to be in need? Really in need? I mean, think about it, no? He says, you know what? I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether living in 2 BHK, 1 BHK, no BHK. Studio. Doesn't matter. I can do. How, how much, how conveniently we quote this out of context, I can do all things. You know what all what all those things are? When you don't have money, you can do all things. Can you do all things when you don't have money? Think. And you don't have the resources? Can you say like that lady, when we have come to the end of our hoarded resources, our father's giving has only begun. Can you say that confidently or is it a lie? See. Be content. See, that is the reason why keeping lifestyles very simple. You see, when these guys are talking about uh, uh, how sustainable is this, you know what they are talking about. Can you maintain a BMW car or minimally some car which is better than a normal Wagonar? Wagonar nowadays, she... Wagonar, what? 5 lakhs. 5, 15 minimum. You see, that is exactly how the world system traps you. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to read it for you. Verse 5 onwards. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. What I call it is called Sodexo coupons. You know that, right? Shafir. Sodexo. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter into service. Among those who were chosen were all these people. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. Daniel, the name Belshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. You know what they said? We will not be worried when people change their identity. We will not be worried about to what they are going to teach us. We will not be worried about what are they going to tell us that we should conf- we should say or speak. What language we should speak. But... Lifestyle, we will choose. We will choose our lifestyle. Think about it, no? All software engineers, two jobs, two salaries, two cars, two apartments. What will happen if I give all this up for the ministry? Is it easy for them to come out and serve the Lord? Think about it. How the world system has trapped you? You got used to a lifestyle now. You cannot come down. One of the incredible learning curves for Justin and I were to make adjustments to our lifestyle. Boy, was difficult. Adjustments to our lifestyle. And what happens to the world system? It gets you used to a lifestyle of plenty and ease. Now you will be scared. What if this stops? And you start compromising. I mean, I'm telling you from my own experience of talking to certain people. Now, there was one parent, I don't want to mention the name of that person. After 
He finished this academic year with us and he's moving out. And he was very good. He was a happy parent. Okay, I mean, he was, he was a good parent, godly parents. And he came to me and he, and he said, Vijay, we're not, we'll not be able to continue our, with your school. And I asked him why. He said, you know what? When I joined the job those days, it was cool. It was easy. But now I'm under tremendous pressure. Even if I come little one minute late into the office, they're asking questions. It's too much of work pressure. I have to learn this, I have to learn that, I have to learn this. You know why? If you want to get that kind of a salary, you have to do all this now. And what will happen? You will compromise on who? On God. Things of God. I'm not looking for sustainability. I'm looking for adaptability. If you look for adaptability, you'll stay focused. Otherwise, you'll go. If you look for simple lives, you'll stay focused. So question I want to ask for you, ask myself, am I adaptable? Next. And he said to his, to another, follow me. This is amazing. One guy said, I will follow you. Another guy said, Jesus said, you follow me, please. Become my disciple. You know what he said? Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. You know what it means? Let me tell you something. The people who are closest to you, my obedience to God will cost others. Will cost others. You know, if you, you should read the Nabil Quraysh's biography, okay. In the last stages of his conversion, because he's about to get converted. And you know, the chapter's name is, just before the ending, uh, I think penultimate chapter is, A Time to Mourn. I asked God to give me some time to mourn. And he was mourning. And you know what he was saying? Lord, my parents have been so good to me. They've been such wonderful parents. They've provided everything for me. They've made me what I am today. And today, if they come to know that I am going to leave everything that they have held in high esteem for Jesus Christ. You know what is going into the... They're going to die of a heart attack. And when when his parents came to know that he became a Christian, his father came to him and he said, you know what, today I feel as if my spinal cord has been removed from my back. And that words went like a sword into his heart. And you know what he started doing? He started crying out to God and said, Lord, why did you not kill me the day I believed? Why did you not die? Why did you not die? I didn't want to see this. I didn't want my parents to cry. My, I didn't want to break the heart of my, my parents' heart. Why did you not kill me, Lord? At least they would have had this in their heart that I died as a Muslim. You know what God told him? Nabil, this is not about you. It's about me. It's not about you. What, Lord? What did my parents do, Lord, to deserve this? I mean, I remember, past, I was telling Pastor, 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 my parents, Pastor, they're not here today, okay? I don't know if they'll listen to it online, I don't know. So I said, Pastor, my parents, you know what he said, Vijay? The sovereignty of God overrules everything in your life. Everything. Can you imagine the conversion of Paul? The conversion of Paul is remarkable. This guy... Trains 
is being trained under Gamaliel. He's going to become the top in the Sanhedrin. And, he, and then, you know what? He also kills Stephen and then the Lord meets him. And you know, he can ask this question, Lord, why did you not stop me, Lord, from killing Stephen? Why did you not meet me, Lord, before? But you know, he has absolute assurance in the sovereignty of God. You know what he says in Galatians chapter 1, God has chosen me when? When? Before the foundations of the world were laid. He chose me. And therefore his sovereignty overrules everything in my life. Every relationship. Even if it costs them. I will take that. That is faith. Otherwise, you know what? You will be distracted. Mama, Papa, kya sochenge? First thing, you know, when I remember. I called my friend. Okay, my very close friend uh, in college. Okay. Very close friend. We were very, very close friends. And after I finished uh, engineering, etc. Long time late, later, I called him. I said, hi, Anil. Vijay, you remember me? Ah, Vijay, what are you doing, man? I know you finished this, this, this. this. And he said, I said, yeah, become an assistant pastor now. Pastor? Next question. What are your parents saying? What are your parents saying? Will you really be willing? I mean, it's going to be very painful, guys. It's not going to be easy. Matthew chapter 10. If you love father, mother, wife, your own self, you are not worthy of me. Period. And your obedience to God. You know what that means? You are willing to say, Lord, I know at this moment in my life, they are not in a position to understand my decision, but I leave it up to you. Even if they understand or don't understand, you come first. And it is not easy. It is not easy. Especially if you live in an Indian context. Even till date, there's a tension in the family. Even till date. So I avoid them because of the tension. Because Calling is not about me. So think about it. No, look at this. No, one first first Kings chapter nine verse nineteen and twenty one. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the twelfth pair. Rich fellow, twelve yoke of oxen means he has twelve tractors equivalent. Twelve tractors ka matlab jante ho na? Kitna land hai uske paas? And he's driving the twelfth tractor. That means he has got eleven drivers also. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. What will they think, Baba? And I will come with you. You know what he said? Look at Elijah. Go back. Read that, everybody. What have I done to you? You think I called you? I called you? If you think I called you, you go back. What have, what have I did to you? What did I do to you? <laughs> You think I called you? Yo, you respect me a lot. I didn't call you. I, I, I remember the one, one day when I showed Pastor James, John's Gospel chapter 4. I said, Pastor James, what does this four months mean? He looked at me and said, Vijay, if you don't follow God and answer the call of Jesus Christ, somebody else will come and take your position. I was a very competitive fellow. I did not want to lose that competition, Baba. Nobody should run with my crown in heaven. 
Now why, why am I saying this? Because I would have at least one crown so that I can lay it at his feet. One crown at least. One crown. You know, you know what pastor, in other words he was saying, I didn't call you Vijay. <laughs> you might have got the call through me, but I didn't call you. I didn't call you. What I did, what did I do to you? Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father. Shucks, man. Unbelievable. Oh, beta, kitna achcha decision hai tumara. <laughs> this is the day that I was looking for. Very rarely it happens. Even if they accept it, it will be with such a lot of questions in their hearts. What is this foolishness? Daughter against her mother. Daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Oh no, don't tell that, you know, daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law is in the Bible. No, it is for following Jesus. Not, not for not being obnoxious, okay? A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Because when you take a decision for Christ, people will not be able to understand you. And it will cost them. They will be like, I did this. What are you doing to me? Is this the way you want to repay me? And when, when I remember Nabil Qureshi, right? I was reading his testimony. He was Nabil Qureshi, after he graduated, he finished. He got baptized. Parents heartbroken. Now he finished his MBBS degree. And after he graduated, told his parents, now I'm going to full-time ministry. After that, his mother was like, she went crazy. What are you talking, Nabil? At least this happiness you're not going to leave for me. This happiness. Boy. This is difficult. This is, you know what? If you do not want to be distracted, boss, don't get married. Honestly. In a sense that, unless it is like Pastor was talking about, right? For us, first first question for all of us who should be on Sunday was saying, it is not when to marry, it is if to marry. Marry or to tarry. For Jeremiah, he said very clearly, don't marry. Ezekiel said, I'm going to kill your wife. Okay. So a lot of people are saying something in their hearts. I don't know. I'm going to kill your wife. Don't say anything. Delight of your eyes. I'm going to take it away. Paul, he had the mind of Christ. He knew, if I really love my wife, I don't want her to be in jail with me. Please, I don't want to be married. You see? This is going to cost you. The closest of relationships. Tremendous strain. But you have to be willing to take the decision there and say, Lord, I don't want to be distracted. Otherwise, they will distract you. You see, whoever has that one door, they will start probing you there. Keep on pestering, 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 pestering. And they will distract you, distract you, distract you from the goal and one day you will just give up. Make a clear cut today. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Look at your children if you have children, my dear parents. I don't love you more than God. You should tell your parents, your children. And your children should tell your parents, I don't love you more than God. You should tell your wife, I don't love you more than God. Wife should tell your husband, I don't love you more than God. Very difficult for a wife to say that. 
Whoever finds their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Then finally, Luke's Gospel chapter 9. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go first and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know what that means? I am leaving today, not tomorrow, today. No turning back. Today. Indecision is the dangerous sin in the Christian life. Indecision. Either be hot or be cold. Don't be lukewarm. If Yahweh is God, worship Him or Jehovah is God, worship and I said nothing. Indecision. I'm leaving today. Very famous, right? Genesis chapter 25. When they got up next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, let the young man, young woman remain with us 10 days. So then you may go. But he said to him, do not detain me. Who knows? In 10 days, her heart may change. Who knows? Do you have a guarantee in 10 days you will follow Jesus? Do not detain me. Now the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way. So may I, so I may go to the master. Then they said, let's call the young woman and ask her. So they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go. Will you go with this man? Today? Otherwise you will get distracted. Tomorrow we'll distract it. Kal kare so, aaj kar, aaj kare so, ab. Kabir ne bol diya, copy karke. Jesus ke saath. From Jesus he has copied. Ab. The decision is today. Otherwise you'll get distracted. Tomorrow, no guarantee. Everything else comes from the evil one. Is your face like a flint? Are you focused? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. So many things you're teaching us a lot from your word. Father, when you said become like me, you're asking us to become like you in terms of your attitude toward your heavenly goal. Grant us that attitude. Every day enable us to make those decisions that we have to do today and not postpone. And grant us grace to that end. Pray that you would continue to remind us about the cost of true discipleship. And enable us to be focused. Let our faces be like a flint. We thank you, we praise you. In Jesus name, Amen.